Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. What's up? Middle of the week, first day of the month of February. This month we begin the college baseball season. And despite my protest to the contrary, it kind of feels like the start of college baseball. I convince myself every year that opening day is 70 and sunny, and we just might get there, but we've got a long way to go from where we are right now. In fact, I am ready to make a proclamation. Definitively, and I will hear no argument to the contrary, summer is better than winter. It just is. Who says otherwise? Well, you know, they're, uh, Brian Haydad probably for one. I like cooler weather, but summer is definitely better than winter. Yeah. What can't you do in the summer that you can do in the winter? Well, in Mississippi, probably nothing. But Go sledding? I mean, ski. We can't sled, go sledding snowboard. either. Right. I was going to say, you can't do those things. But no, I was just thinking a second ago. It's like... I want to live in summer, and I'll visit winter. Yeah, exactly. Like if, if I want winter, I'll visit. You know, figure out a way to get out of town around Christmas somewhere where it's cold. Maybe you can go skiing somewhere along the way, and it works out. And that's that's enough winter. I'm telling you, the, the reason, after I spent a week in the Bay Area, I realized that's why the people out here suck so bad. Because the weather's incredible. Every day, it's the best. It's... I don't think that's the spot either. I need warmer than that. I think. Well, like... then go down to like San Diego. Yeah, San Diego, I think, is probably your spot. But that explains why people on the Pacific coast of California are so terrible. Because they well, don't. And why understand... they deal with living in California? Yeah, I mean, there's that. Uh, I mean, they're leaving in droves, but that's for gala tomorrow at six. But but that made sense to me. It's. I think I've told this story before. We're going whale watching. And we're, we're on the boat, <laughs> driving out, uh, just leaving the bay, going to, to whale watch. And Katie and I are freezing. It's like like 50s, and, and the wind's blowing real bad. And we're on a boat. We're sitting here shivering cold. And the captain turns around and goes, you guys should have been here two weeks ago. It almost got to 90. <laughs> almost. Like, thank you, captain. Yeah, I, would, I, I would have taken the 90. Yeah, probably, me too. At, uh, 90's at a point. cool day. This time, where we're from. You know, Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. I've been telling you about their outerwear. I just decided I'd model it today. 
I, it's like I'm, I'm chilled to the bone and can't get it. So if you like a jacket like this, you can get it online at Genteel Apparel. Some of those are even on sale as we've got the uh, the end-of-season savings event that is happening on their website, genteelapparel.com. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. And the good news is you don't have to wear this year-round. You can go to the Genteel golf shirts and their shorts here before long. It, it, it will get here in a hurry. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. We're glad to be with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Another place where you can go, where it will be warm soon, hopefully. And you can enjoy 18 holes at the Oaks or the Azaleas. Buddy, go if ahead the, and book your tee time so you got something to look forward to at DancingRabbitGolf.com. Uh, Sunday and Monday, if, if the course drains well, which it looks like it does, um, golf weather, mid to upper 60s, Sunday and Monday. So there you go. There you go. You, uh, you you got that on the horizon. So we do have something to uh, look forward to. You want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business Online, cspire.com slash business. Uh, hot, cold, doesn't bother me either way. I just want it to stop raining. Hammy says, you can whale watch. Oh, Hammy. <laughs> Chris and McComb. Ah. Duck hunt, deer hunt. <laughs> Chris and McComb says, duck hunt, deer hunt. Plus, I'm a big and I can always put more clothes on. You don't want me taking more off. Yeah, hunting is a good counterpoint to the what, what can't you do in winter. But it's like everything else you can't do. You know, you can hunt. That's great. It, support hunting, love hunting. No, it's a, a big industry here in Mississippi. I'm more mm-hmm. of a fishing guy myself, but you know, be outdoors. It's great. But fishing's better in the summer. You, you can't go to the pool in the winter. You can't go swimming in the winter. Everything is brown and just kind of crappy and gross and just blah. Which I mean, a beautiful sunny winter day is not the end of the world. Mike reminds us that we can't deer hunt. Uh, that's not acceptable in the summer. Under understand. Yeah. Um, and, and we get somebody uh, that says that no winter is much better than summer, hands down, in my opinion. Well, the okay. sports are better. If your life revolves around sports, uh, yeah. the the well, winter's better than the summer. Fall, fall is better. Yeah. For sports. And, and maybe that's where we need to get. We, 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 three seasons would be okay. If we could go spring, summer, fall, spring, summer, fall, and just kind of eliminate the winter piece of it, I think I've gotten to the point where I would be okay with it. Yeah, I think. Um, this would be a transition into sports, and uh, today is National Signing Day. Kind of. Not a whole lot of activity, although Brian Haydad uh, did say uh, he, he made sure that we knew in via text message earlier today that he won the source off. Yeah, good pickup for State, too. Really good pickup yes. on the defensive line. Yeah, here's the yeah. thing. What Big I man. was told Big when kid. I was told it was accurate. Things change. State did what they had to do to lock recruiting, the kid down. Recruiting changed. Recruiting and, is always a fluid situation. Yep, and uh, good pickup, especially this late when 90 or what, what was it, like 82% of the kids signed in December. So having a possible quality maybe even higher if he develops player available now it's a bit of a rarity you know his recruiting story is one we will come back to through the years of you know especially if he turns out to be a a good player that you're gonna be like how did this guy fly under the radar 
until the middle of January of his senior year of high school. So we'll yeah, see how and, it pans out. But for Mississippi State, oh, oh battle, they wanted to win, and they did. And, and I mean, your point is a great one, hey, Dad. It's not middle of January of his junior year rising into his right. senior year. It's middle of January following Jonathan Davis's senior year. Um, to give you a little bit, okay, so you remember what signing day used to be. If you go to hailstate.com, Mississippi State's official athletics website, you will see that it says signing day, February 1st, 2023, and you've got a picture of Jonathan Davis there. You've got a picture there of Will James, a defensive back from Grand Bay, Alabama, a picture of Freddie Robertson or Roberson from Seattle, Washington, a wide receiver, and a, uh, a picture a of a kicker. Nick Barmira. Transfer. Okay, so a couple of those are transfers. So you get two high school kids and, and two transfers. If you go to Ole Miss's website, on the front page, you get Rebels remain on road with visit to Tennessee. That's for women's basketball. Rebel great Bianca Thomas to be honored in 2023 SEC class of women's legends. Men's basketball comes up short against Kentucky. Football welcomes 20 mid-year enrollees. I mean, there's not even... I mean, all this had a couple of signees today, I guess, too. But it's, hey, these are all the guys that are coming in mid-year that did the signing day thing six weeks ago. And they had been previously committed. Also, they announced, like, the portal guys as well. Because that's what we're hurting now, too. So it's just... It's a shame, though. At least I think it is. Is it? I think college football is screwing up. But with the early signing period, I know Greg Sankey talked about how he wants it to go away, and I support it, but not for his reason. Uh, frankly, the the it's more work for coaches doesn't resonate with me. I couldn't care less. One of Lane Kiffin's paychecks is many times bigger than my salary. I could not care less if he has to work a little bit harder uh, with the early signing period. Doesn't bother me at all. But I think college football is failing uh, from a fan connection perspective. With the early signing period. Here's what, I, here's what I mean by that. So yesterday, the Saints made a trade to get a first-round pick back, right? So season's over. Been over for the Saints for weeks. But yet, I now have something to look forward to. I will look at mock drafts, every single mock draft. And when the draft comes, the Saints will win. Why? Because they added a player. They will win that day. As a fan, I will be so excited because we added this guy. College football doesn't have that because the early signing period happens when there's a bunch of stuff going on. Mm. The holidays are a few days. Christmas is a few days away. Most of the teams still have a game to play. There's the coaching carousels going on. There, the NFL season's in full swing. There's a there's just a lot of stuff going on in sports. What is happening this week? In sports, this is the odd week. There's no NFL game because this is the bridge week before the Super Bowl. College basketball's not in their money month. Obviously, there's no college football. Senior Bowl. Senior. This would be a perfect time to have the fan connection to players that are being that are being added to their team. And it was a national holiday, get. right? I mean, five yeah. years ago, this was a national holiday for, for a lot yeah. of people. You had tons and tons and tons of people all across the country 
who took a personal day on this day to go to recruiting parties to celebrate the incoming players to their school of choice. Or your school of choice. And it's not, it's it's an afterthought now. And you're right, that other stuff just kind of gets lost in the wash. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi continues. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thank you for being with us. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Um, so, looking at Mississippi State's class, kind of broken down into three categories. Early enrollees, which are just being classified as enrollees. There are 12 of those guys. Signed letters of intent, 15 of those guys, and then transfers, and you've got eight of them. Are the transfers on campus or no? So of this transfer class, I believe seven out of eight will be part of spring drills. Uh, the only one who will not is tight end Ryland Goaty, uh, which is interesting because he's the only bona fide tight end on the roster. But he is finishing up his last semester at Georgia. He'll graduate and they'll be here in Starkville for the summer. So, Freddie Robertson, Mike Wright. Do we know if it's Robertson or Roberson? It's Roberson. Okay, Freddie Roberson, Mike Wright from Vanderbilt, Jacoby Albert, Nicholas Barmira, Christopher Keys, Kamari Rogers, Radarius Jones, all will participate in spring practice. They are in Starkville for the spring semester. Correct. In addition to that group, these are your other enrollees. Isaac Smith, the safety from Itawamba. Creed Whitmore from Buckholz High School in Gainesville, listed as an athlete. Chris Parson, the quarterback from Brentwood, Tennessee. Justin Brown, the wide receiver from Murfreesboro. Seth Davis, a running back from Katy, Texas. Luke Evans, a cornerback from Hollywood, Florida. Malik Ellis, offensive lineman from Laurel. Jacoby Belazar, wide receiver that uh, comes in from Southwest. Jeffrey Pittman, running back that comes in from Hines. Eric Taylor, defensive lineman from Southwest. Zachary Tillman, a linebacker out of high school from Florence, Mississippi. And the punter Keelan Crimmins from Australia. So those are the transfers and or enrollees that will be here for the spring for Mississippi State. But you've got fifteen all right, so so that's twelve so that's twenty. But you've got fifteen more who will be making their way to Starkville at the beginning of the summer, or at some point during the right. summer. And that right. group includes Kelly Jones, the safety from Clarksdale. Bryce Pollock, a corner from Snellville, Georgia. Ty Jones from Bay Springs, a linebacker. Jonathan Davis, who we've talked about the last couple of days, the defensive lineman from Lawrence County. 
Zay Alexander, offensive lineman from Tupelo. Caleb Bryant, defensive lineman from Vicksburg. Amari Smith, I love this, interior offensive lineman from Bookhaven. Leon Bell, tackle on the offensive line from Kilgore, Texas. Tobias Hinton, linebacker from Hattiesburg. Joseph had an edge rusher from Holmes County. Jalen Aborum, a corner from Oak Grove. Gabriel Moore. Abram. Huh? He's just Abram. I put an extra syllable in there. Yeah, put an okay. extra O in there. Jalen Abram. Gabriel Moore, defensive lineman from Louisville. Mikai Poole, a wide receiver from Norcross, Georgia. Will James, a cornerback from Theodore, Alabama. And Hayden Hobson, an offensive lineman from Tuscaloosa. So that is, to this point, Mississippi State's signing class. High school guys, Mm -hmm. JUCO guys, transfers, early enrollees, later enrollees, that's everybody so far. Whole shebang. Any more additions that could happen at the end of spring? At the end of spring, for sure. Absolutely, and, and there will be some departures at that point, too. I mean, State has, I think, 14 wide receivers on scholarship. I mean, when you're not running four wide every play, it's too many. So I expect to see a couple of guys go there. Um, and then we'll sort of see some other positions as well. I think State is sitting on uh, between 90 and 92 scholarship players, so they gotta, they got to drop six, seven guys, uh, and that will happen. But at the same time, they got to find some uh, – they'd like to find another quarterback. They would rather, you know, have a fourth quarterback. I know they're going to look at how the running back situation goes in the spring. And if they feel good about those four guys they have, you know, Jaquavius Mark, Simeon Price, Pittman, and Davis, they'll go go forward. But if they feel like they need to go get another running back, they might do that. And then obviously they probably would like to go get another experienced tight end as well. So probably going to look to bring in three or four more guys, uh, but they need to, they need to lose about seven or eight probably. Hmm. Okay. Processing. There's processing that has to happen. Yeah, and, and it's not so, even really it's, you know processing is can can feel like it's kind of you know coach driven like we're getting rid of this guy. I mean, it's going to be guys who realize, hey, I might have a better opportunity to play somewhere else. Sure. Oh yeah, processing. And the portal is, gives them that opportunity. In two directions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah, player driven and sure. coach driven. You know, it's a numbers yeah. game, and yes, it doesn't always happen this way. But there are people that get mad at players that hit the portal, and not all of them are uh, being selfish. And choosing to go elsewhere, there are players that hit the portal because they're told, please go somewhere else because you're not going to play here. And, and yeah. putting them all into that box is a little unfair. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And it's the reason that the outrage that sometimes goes along with players getting into the portal is misplaced. Not always, good, but sometimes, absolutely. Yeah, Sometimes. Sometimes. The, the way that Ole Miss's class is divided up is a little bit different. So, 20 mid-year enrollees for Ole Miss. Three of those 20 are non-scholarship players. So these are the guys that are going to be on campus that are new to the Ole Miss program for spring. And then you can kind of look at it as guys that have signed letters of intent and transfers. So that's just kind of the way that the list we've got to have it broken down. Uh, Josh, you guys can help me. He's from Starkville. Hey, Dad, maybe you know. Aka, Aka, Aka. Uh, sure. Okay. 
I don't know him. From Starkville, most recently in East Mississippi, he's a wide receiver, non-scholarship player. A.J. Brown, a safety from Georgia. Javante Connor, a tight end from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, early enrollee. Victor Kern, transferring in from Washington with one year of eligibility on the offensive line. Caden Davis, the transfer kicker from Texas A&M, senior but with two years of eligibility. Joshua Harris, defensive tackle, transferring in from NC State, two years of eligibility. Trey Harris, wide receiver from Louisiana Tech, two years of eligibility. Walker Howard, freshman quarterback, transferring in from LSU. Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste, linebacker with just one year available from UCF. Antoine Johnson is a non-scholarship linebacker that is a senior. I don't even know where he was. He's from Louisville, Kentucky. And it lists Thomas Moore. That'd be a high school, wouldn't it? Hey, whatever. doesn't matter. Uh, Caden Lee, freshman wide receiver from Georgia. Chris Marshall, sophomore wide receiver transferring in from Texas A&M. Quincy McGee, a senior offensive lineman with one year of eligibility transferring in from UAB. Monty Montgomery, he's a one-year linebacker transferring in from Louisville. Braxton Myers, a cornerback from Coppell, Texas, who's a freshman. Caden Priestcourt, tight end from Memphis with two years of eligibility. Bryson Sanders, freshman offensive lineman from Chattanooga, went to the Baylor School. Spencer Sanders, a one-year quarterback from Oklahoma State, originally from Denton, Texas. John Saunders, a transfer from Miami of Ohio with two years of eligibility. He's a corner. And Zamari Walton, a corner from Georgia Tech, one year of eligibility. So it's a mix of multi-year guys and one-year guys. Clearly you only bring in a one-year guy in most cases if you expect him to play. Uh, yeah. In most cases? Um, I also regret I, to inform you, or me, I suppose, but uh, one of us uh, needs to have our mic taken away because Ole Miss sucks, get over it. So just just wanted to let you know that if wow. if, if you're talking and, and we're not responding, it's because I, I took your mic away. Because, again, Ole Miss sucks and now, get over it. Will we... Will we divvy up the the person who's out salary between the other two? How does that work? Ooh, I feel like since I control him, I should get fifty five. You know, fifty five percent. You know what? You know what? I'm willing to make that deal with you. I'm willing to make that deal right now. <laughs> Let me text my wife. Got a raise today, honey. We took Richard's mic away. Yeah. But the the, the linebacker position is interesting. Oh, so we're talking about me? I guess I was the one that was talking the most there? I, I guess that's you. I guess. But, but he said know. the first the, it's Obviously the first not talking about me. That's yeah. all that matters. I am not the one being talked about here. But the, the linebacker position is fascinating. I, I expect them to add more um, in March, but apparently Sistrunk is going to come back even though he hit the portal, and you're going to need Suntarian Perkins to come in and, and play and play a lot, but... Two one-year rentals at linebacker is certainly interesting. It's worth the last couple of years, but can you go three for three? Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station.
Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad and Richard Cross. You uh, you want to be part of the conversation, you can always join us on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. So, Borky, you were talking about linebacker being a uh, an interesting position for Ole Miss in the in the signing class because of one-year transfers, right? Jeremiah Jean Baptiste from UCF only with one year of, of eligibility. Uh, Monty Montgomery from Louisville, originally from Georgia, only one year of eligibility. But the guy that everybody's really excited about seeing at linebacker is not going to be there until May, and that's Suntarian Perkins, the now five-star linebacker out of Raleigh, Mississippi. Is that the reason that, in addition to having a couple of one-year linebackers that have been successful, that Ole Miss adds two or three guys that maybe are only there for a year? Yeah, and, and I mean, you don't have much left, right? Because Austin Keys went to Auburn. Um, again, Sistrunk was in the portal, uh, didn't announce a destination. I've heard that he's back, but he, like Haydad said earlier, doesn't mean he, he won't leave after spring. I mean, the guys are going to leave after spring, too. Uh, but th- there's very little depth there. I mean, I mean, you return Kari Coleman, uh, you apparently return Sistrunk, and then who? I mean, who else is there that has played for you at all? And so th- they've they've got to be even more active than they have been. Adding two linebackers plus Perkins is it's a great haul, but that leaves you with four linebackers that have played significant snaps in college and a true freshman and. Alabama ran some four-linebacker type stuff defensively. Are they going to want to do that at Ole Miss? Because if that answer is yes, they need to continue to add. (laughs) Then you better have more than four on the roster. (laughs) Right. So that that is a very fascinating position, uh, and we'll, we'll see after spring. That's what's so... I don't know if interesting is the right word here, but because we're going to do this again. After spring practice, guys are going to leave, guys are going to come in. So even today, after teams added, what, 30-plus guys most places. Ole Miss is ranked number 20 overall when you factor in the the transfer class. They're ranked number 20. I think there are three schools in front of them that signed fewer players than Ole Miss, and Ole Miss signed 28. So everybody else is adding 30-plus players to their roster, and they're not done yet. Because you're going to have another round of this in May. And so, back to what I was saying earlier, ran up against a break. It's I've heard from a lot of people that it's it's getting harder to connect with their team because of stuff like this. It's hard to keep track of. There's three different days you're adding players, but the portal, they can kind of show up whenever. I mean, Dylan Johnson still hasn't made a decision yet. At least we don't think. So... There's no structure. You you don't know when guys are going to be added. I had a friend joke with me the other day. He's like, I'm going to have to bring the roster to the first game. Because I don't know. Who, oh, I don't, yeah. He's like, I don't know who these guys are. I mean, somebody's going to make a tackle, and I'm going to be like, well, who, who the heck is that guy? So in an era where it's getting harder to connect because there's there's so much movement and all that, having this all happen at one time would be beneficial because it would allow people to focus on it for a few days, as opposed to it coming and going multiple times and there's there's no limit and 
it's just it's hard to connect with a team that's constantly moving and constantly fluid. And now a lot of places are charging you to see interviews with the players. Arkansas, $8 a month to see coach and player interviews. So they need to do something to help fans connect when it's not the actual games and having a more concise and and fewer time roster addition period would be beneficial to college football, I think. Going back to the linebacker thing. What I was going to say is, you know, it puts, it's almost, it's kind of unfair to put a big Birkin, Birkin on Perkins, big burden on Perkins because he's a freshman. But at the same time, when you sign a five star kid, you, you kind of have to expect them to be contributors right away. I mean, that, those are the guys that you expect to leave after three years to be all Americans, to be first round NFL draft picks. That's, that's the, the, the thought process behind being a five star. So for Ole Miss, they desperately need Perkins to be a star. The first year, I don't, I'm not saying he has to have the same kind of impact that Judkins has, but he needs to be an everyday player. You know what it feels like would be important to remember in the first half of the season last year. If I had asked you who Harold Perkins Jr. is, you probably would have been like, mm, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I vaguely you had to be an LSU fan, you know. yeah, and. It's because Brian Kelly brought him along slowly as a true freshman. There were some LSU fans who were like, play this guy more, play this guy more. And it got to a tipping point where they had to play him more. Unfortunately for Ole Miss, the day that they chose to play him more was the day that Ole Miss was in Baton Rouge and he kind of felt like made every tackle and made life just living hell for the Ole Miss offense. It's not impossible to think that that could be the road for, for Suntarian Perkins as well. But you might look up halfway through the season, it's like, what, why is he only playing 20 snaps a game? I'm not saying that that's going to be the case. I mean, he may play 70 snaps in the season opener. You'd hope not, but oh, that'd be a good chance considering who the opponent is, though. <laughs> to acclimate yourself to the college game by playing Mercer is not the worst idea. No, it's not, but I guess the, the number of snaps was more the thing that I meant. You, I mean, Ole Miss would probably like to get to a spot where it's not playing defensive players 70 snaps in a game. You, you'd like that number to be down around 50 or 60. But the point remains, they may kind of bring him along until he forces himself onto the field on a snap-by-snap basis for every game. Or it could be that Ole Miss needs help at linebacker so badly that he clearly, whether he's ready or not, has got to play. I mean, they shouldn't need anybody to be great until week four. Because if you're having to strain to beat Georgia Tech and, and even Tulane, who I know is good, whatever, and Mercer, then you got problems. And, you know, Alabama is not going to matter. But yeah. th- there's, there's a chance it's uh, – Far fewer games than last season, but there's a chance to, to have like an acclimation period with somebody like him in the first few weeks of the season so you don't feel like you have to force him into a situation he's not ready for in week one. You know, there's a little bit of time. Hey, Dad, a question for you mm-hmm. uh, about tight end in Mississippi State. Somebody says, okay. what about Ryland Hauser? If his last name were not Hauser, 
Oh, nobody yeah, would know about that kid. who Ryland Hauser is with offers from Warner University, North Alabama, and Mississippi State. He is from oh, South Florida, Jensen Beach, Florida. He is a tight end, good size, six four and a half, two fifteen. But the reason people know who he is is because his dad's Rip. Cole Hauser uh, is his father, and... who plays the character Rip on Yellowstone. Looking at his 24-7 profile, he hasn't signed with anybody. Why would a kid that has an offer from North Alabama and Warner and an offer from Mississippi State not have signed with Mississippi? Maybe it's not a scholarship offer. Maybe it's a preferred He didn't have a thing. real offer. From his... Okay. Well, it was, it was, I like your dad's TV show, son. Here's an offer to make you feel good about yourself. Give us some positive publicity for a day. But don't even think we're going to send you a national letter of intent to yes. sign. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What service was it that gave, what was it, a four-star ranking to a kid that didn't have a single scholarship offer because he claimed offers from, like, Alabama and Florida and LSU oh, or that, something? That happens a lot. That was years that ago. More, more, more often than you know, yeah. They had a big signing day ceremony. No All the, the, the local news people were there. He puts a hat on, and then the coaches of the school were like, um, who? Who? <laughs> hey, hey, we got an answer, by the way, to the uh, take this guy's mic away. I, I sent yeah. a message. I said, I'm genuinely curious what was so annoying to you. Mm-hmm. We got a detailed answer. This is good. It's a mixture of things. You think your school is just high and mighty. Well, I got news for you, buddy. Ole Miss hasn't won anything in 70 years. Archie Manning was overrated. Also, your voice is annoying. I would rather listen to Paul Feinbaum and Skip Bayless talk than listen to you. He crushed you. Burn. Get out. Get out of the cha- just get out of the chair. Get in your car. Go home. God, Richard. It's over. High and mighty. No coming back from that. Overrated Archie. Haven't won anything in 70 years. Yeah. Hmm. And Feinbaum and Bayless. The, the, the two guys that's known rough. for having soothing Bayless. voices. Bayless is that's a, that's a tough one there. Yeah, well, you know, Bayless is a Dak hater. You know what I'd do? I, I would trade voices now. with those two guys if they would trade salaries with me. I'd say you got to trade the bank accounts too. Yep, whole package. When's that book coming out of the Jimbo Saban dueling press conferences? I'm I'm just on the edge of my seat waiting to read about that. I don't know. I don't know. We will uh, wrap up the first hour of the show with you when uh, we come back. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and the guy with the annoying voice after this. Sports Talk Mississippi, your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Problem, guys. We um, we have a sponsor that has texted me that says, "I'm with that dude. You suck, Cross." Well, maybe I am on the way out the door. All right, all right, boys. Borky, hey, Dad. Sports Talk, Mississippi. 
If uh, if you want to uh, join us in the Pearl River Resort <laughs> Studios, you can do that on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Borky, you look like you're about to say something, and it's just you're just like, no, stop talking, no, and I'm going to say it. No, stop, I'm, stop. I'm, I'm going to hold back. Yeah, I'm going to hold back. It's uh, what, what that guy said is not near as bad as what the five Southern Miss fan accounts that really hate me say to me kind of frequently. I struck a chord with with those. It's only like five of them. Yes. It's only like five. Everybody else affiliated with Southern Miss is great. It's like these five people who are anonymous online just can't stand me. Doesn't make any sense. You you don't know anything about online hate. Neither one of you do. Them come, come spend and an those hour. Come spend an hour with me. Who hates you online? Hey, Dad. Everybody. Everybody. Richard, if Got Brian Haydad doesn't today. spend three hours a day saying on this show, Ole Miss sucks, Ole Miss is the worst, the Egg Bowl is the most important thing ever, I I refuse to speak to anybody affiliated with Ole Miss. It is a morally corrupt institution and all that stuff. State fans don't like him. But he kind of does say But then if I do say those day, things, the Ole Miss fans don't exactly. like him. Exactly. To lose, lose. I can't win. Yeah. I got some Ole Miss fan in my mentions right now because I, I trolled Kiffin a little bit, and he, he's that. like, "So this just shows he just shows that you, Ole Miss is always in your mind." And I'm like, "You follow me, dude. You follow me." Oh, maybe he likes your wrestling takes. Uh, well, I mean, this? how could you not? They're they're right on the point. You now now who's in trouble? You boys. I got your back, Richard. I'm an active duty sniper, retired. Hotty toddy. Oh, it got to be like that. Hey, oh, I don't need to be looking then. over my shoulder. Feels like the game just changed a little bit, fellas. We, just a little bit. Just, now, now we know who to call. Yeah. Nope. Nope. I'm, I'm going to say that number and block it so you guys won't see it. Good to know. Um, <laughs> at hoops last night. We'll uh, we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. Mississippi State <laughs> wins again. What are you Just real at? quick, Matthew from Oklahoma. Matthew in Oklahoma better put a for sale sign on cross one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's why you Richard's going to have to charter stuff, a plane. He can't. No, he no. can't. He can't afford that anymore. That's why you just pay cash for it up front. <laughs> Jeez. Um, State wins at South Carolina yesterday. Yeah, and and. I, I started to say good win, but it was a good win because they had to win. And anytime you win a league game, it's a good win. That's a bad team, South Carolina. But Mississippi State did what they needed to do. They go in, they win by double digits, and now they kind of got things moving in the right direction, right? Back-to-back wins, got the win over TCU, got the win over South Carolina. And Mississippi State has now set the stage for what should be as good an atmosphere as you've had in Humphrey Coliseum in five years? Oh, I would go further back. Five o'clock on Saturday in February. And the weather's going to be beautiful, so like, there's nothing keeping you home. There's no excuses. There's no excuses, and the team is good, and it's a big game. State moved up to 50 in the net today. Um, which kind of a double-edged sword I saw on Twitter uh, because it knocked Utah to 51, which means that quad one win is now a quad two win for Mississippi State. But I think you'll take that. Uh, I think uh, Missouri, when I looked last night, was at 44. 
They play LSU tonight, so if they win, they'll be around 41-42 probably, so a quad two opportunity there. If they win that game, then they play LSU. I mean, they're gonna be, they, they have a chance to be 16-8 and eight when they play Arkansas. You're back in the game at that point. Uh, Ken Palm released, I, and I, this is not Brian Haydad, this is analytics, but they predicted State to go 7-2 and two the rest of the way, losing uh, to Arkansas and Missouri on the road. So that would be a home win over Kentucky in there as well. That team would finish 21-10, and 10, 99 in the conference. They're in. They're in if that happens. I mean, no, no question about it. They're probably like a, a six or a seven seed. No, no, no. Twenty-one and ten, nine and nine. With that, with, with no, their their no. net would be in hey, the thirties. No, no. Yeah, this isn't nineteen ninety-eight though. Okay. No, no, I, no. I'm not being flippant. I think they would be in, but the idea that they would be a six or a seven seed, no. Their their net would be in the thirties easily. We'll see. Steak dinner? Steak vet? Wow, well, if they the first part of it is they have to go seven and two. Yes, if they go seven and two, we'll 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 bet on the seating. I'm in. It's all gotta be put together right now though. So they're they're well, two I mean, I can't, to this. I, I'm not say, I'm not saying they're gonna go seven and two is the issue. If they I won't finish bet that. nine and nine in the conference, then you believe they will be either a six or a seven seed. Seven seed or higher, I will say that. I'll just to okay. give myself some room. Somebody's going to have to remember this for me because you guys know I forget what our bets hey, are. Hey, that won't forget this, I don't think. I won't yeah, forget. Well, unless he I'll has never to forget pay, a state. And it'll be real convenient. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. Middle of the week with you, 4 o'clock hour, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and on Supertalk Mississippi stations all across the Magnolia State. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Ryan Brown joins us from the next round. You can find them online at the next round live. Uh, daily multimedia show I, I keep trying to call it a radio show and it's it's it's, it's that and, and so much more it's it's everything uh based in birmingham sec old, uh alabama auburn lots of great stuff if you hadn't checked it out you should uh, you should do that what's up bud man i'm awesome you guys doing all right over there we are we are the weather is miserable but uh it will change soon enough i suppose we did not get uh, the ice and all of that in Birmingham. Did you guys get ice? I know, like, in North Mississippi they did. Uh, I saw some olive branch ice, but uh, we did not get any here in Birmingham, thank God. Yeah, to the to the north and west of us, it was not great. But Oxford was, like, right on the line, and we got a lot of cold rain. Yeah. Uh, enough cold rain mm-hmm. to have start time for school pushed back two days in a row by two hours, <laughs> which that wasn't all bad, and enough cold rain with the potential for the streets to be bad for the band and the cheerleaders not to be at the Ole Miss-Kentucky basketball game last night. That's how much cold rain oh, we no. had. Wow, that is a, that's a that's a, that's a obvious oversight. you got to fight through that to make the Kentucky game. Come on. Yeah, you would think so. Best student crowd that Ole Miss has had in probably two or three seasons, but those particular yeah. portions of the student body couldn't 
Couldn't make it. Uh, nevertheless. <laughs> hey, I've been wanting to talk to you for a couple of weeks now. That, that's how long we've had these openings on the Alabama staff, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. But before we talk about the direction that Nick Saban may be going, let's talk about Pete Golding. Uh, this okay. feels like a coup for Ole Miss. Now, there are people that would immediately push back and be like, no, 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 Nick Saban wanted to make a change. He wanted to go in a different direction. And, and that may be true. In fact, that might be you, that you could have two things that are true at the same time because it feels like Ole Miss got a good defensive coordinator and a good recruiter in Pete Golding. What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that is obviously true. They did get what I think is a good defensive coordinator and he is an excellent recruiter. And Nick Saban was very fond of Pete Golding. I, I don't, if, if anybody is saying Nick Saban was going to fire Pete Golding, uh, I, I don't, I don't think that's true at all. If a job like Ole Miss came along, was Nick Saban going to stand in his way? I also don't think that was true. But Pete, uh, Pete Golding, Nick Saban was his biggest fan. And the, the, the fans did not reflect that. Alabama fans were very, very critical of Pete Golding. And, you know, to be fair to Pete, there, there, there were a couple things. Number one, his defensive numbers were acceptable or actually above acceptable most anywhere in America. But when you get Kirby Smart and Jeremy Pruitt taste, it's kind of hard to accept anything less than that. And and the other thing, Pete Golding caught college football in a more offensive cycle than Jeremy Pruitt or Nick or, uh, or Kirby Smart caught college football. When those guys were coordinators at Alabama, the game was a little more defensive than it than it is right now. So, you know, there were a lot of factors that conspired against Pete Golding being immensely popular among Alabama fans. But I do believe Nick Saban was very, very fond of him, and I do not believe Nick Saban was going to fire him by any stretch of the imagination. Do you think Nick Saban encouraged him to look for other opportunities, or you think it was as simple as there were times in the past where he really pushed back against suitors, and this time he was like, eh, you know, maybe maybe it is a good time. Yeah, I mean, I, it might be a semantics game, Richard, I, I and I don't know the answer to that. You know Nick Saban is very close to the best, so you know anything you hear is just speculation. I do know that there are times, I think Steve Sarkeesian wanted to hire uh, Pete Golding when he took the Texas job, and Nick Saban really fought against that and convinced Pete Golding that it, it was better for him to stay at Alabama. Um, so, I, I, you know, did he did he encourage him to leave? I don't know. Did he say, look, I'm not going to stand in your way? I mean, I think you're getting into a semantics game at that point, but um, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think Pete Golding did this without Nick Saban's blessing, as odd as that may sound. Um, but, again, I, I want to point out, and, and I'll, I'll tell you this story. So Alabama's um, Alabama's coaching or, or athletics administration, whatever, they invite media to be uh, the media coaches for the 8A game, which basically means you get in the locker room, you watch it, you stand on the sidelines. I mean, you don't really have any role except that it's just a way for you to kind of see behind the scenes, right? So Pete Golding's, I think it was his first year. So what is that, 17? We were either 17 or 18. It was early in the Pete Golding. He was the defensive coordinator for the team that my, my show coached, right? Uh, Michael Oxley was the head coach, and he was the assistant. So I guess that was 18. And being in the locker room and watching him coach, I was blown away by Pete Golding. Blown away by Pete Golding. I mean, it was just – it was I was came away from that game. That was actually my takeaway is I was so impressed by the way he handled himself the way he talked, and he had just come from UTSA, so I knew nothing about the guy. And I thought at the time it was a weird hire because – he was the defensive coordinator at UTSA, and when he was hired in Tuscaloosa, Tosh Lapoy 
was just had just taken over as the defensive coordinator after Pruitt took the Tennessee job. So yeah. you were leaving a coordinator's job to come kind of be in a, a position coach. And I remember thinking that guy is a rising star in this business. Hmm. And you know, like I said, the, the numbers just weren't as good as Pruitt and and Kirby Smart. So you know, maybe, maybe, but 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 when you look at where he was defensively. Where he catches a lot of criticism are just the random games like the Tennessee game this year. Alabama could not stop Tennessee. Most teams couldn't except for Georgia. And it cost Alabama the game and probably a shot at the college football playoff. And, you know, when you're a coordinator at Alabama, you can have 11 really good games and have that one bad game, and fans are going to fall out of love with you. You know, the last thing on this, and and I'm curious if – Ole Miss fans should look at what Pete Golding did as the defensive coordinator at Southeastern Louisiana and as the defensive coordinator at UTSA more than what he did as coordinator at Alabama because we we know what Alabama's roster looks like. Because when you go back and you look at those two previous stops, his defenses were really good in the leagues that, that he was in and seems to kind of figure it out wherever he is. Yeah, and, and, you know, that said, I would have to go look. I would guess his average was probably 18, 19 points a game on average at Alabama if you took his years there and, you know, averaged it out. I mean, that's really – that ought to be enough for Alabama to be undefeated, honestly. I mean, if you're giving up 18, 19 points a game, yeah. you probably shouldn't lose many games. Um, so even if you did just look at those, I don't think you can you, – you even have to completely flush the Alabama. I mean, I think if, if you – if you gave Lane Kiffin 18 points a game, if you said that's what Pete Golding is bringing you, 18, 19 points a game scoring defense, my guess is Lane Kiffin would say, I'll take my chances with that. You know, I'm, I have enough faith in my offensive play calling with yeah. all my quarterbacks now that, uh, that, that we can, we can score enough points that 18, 19 points a game is going to have me with a shot at Atlanta potentially. All right, so where does this leave Alabama on the uh, the defensive side? The, there were early popular names, right? I mean, Jim Leonard, go, go get Jim Leonard, you know, go get, this guy, or go get Jeremy Pruitt. Um, it doesn't appear that either of those two options are going to materialize. Where's Alabama headed in this defensive coordinator search? Or, or, or maybe where should Nick Saban be headed? Well, so it, it does appear that the Jeremy Pruitt um, talk has cooled. You could have hired him by now if you're going to be able to. I mean, he's not, he doesn't have a job right now. And... It just, it just seems as though there are too many roadblocks there. There's the unknown with the NCAA. I, I think it is safe to say the Southeastern Conference isn't a big fan of the idea. And it appears that Nick Saban is at least concerned about that. So, um, so I, I would say the Jeremy Pruitt thing is very unlikely right now, uh, which, which leaves Alabama in an interesting position. There has been talk about Glenn Schumann, who is the co-defensive coordinator at Georgia. Right. And he was part of the staff with Nick Saban when Kirby Smart was there. So this is a guy that's got some Alabama ties. And your thinking would be, well, Will Muschamp is there. Kirby Smart is there. You know, what is your actual role? Are you, your co-defensive coordinator, you know, are you butting heads all the time with Will Muschamp and Kirby Smart? And he might not be. But, you know, that would be the school of thought there, right, is that you get to come here. And while Nick Saban cast a big shadow, you're at least going to be the defensive coordinator. It is it is your show. And, and he would know what he's getting into in Nick Saban. It's a lot like what he's in with Kirby Smart. And then there's Todd Grantham on the staff. And I, I can't express to you, he's a, he's an analyst right now. I can express to you how unpopular that hire would be among Alabama fans if Nick Saban made that hire. Um, Chris Lowe was on our show the other day and he brought that name up just in passing. 
Hmm. And Chris did like a 15-minute interview with us. And the only thing anybody that consumes our show would focus on was the fact that he mentioned Todd Grantham. And it was universally um, dismissed as a very bad idea by Alabama fans. And, and a lot of Alabama fans say, look, I haven't won seven national championships, so who am I to say? But I think it's a terrible hire. So I don't think that by any stretch of the imagination would be a popular hire if you went Todd Grantham. You know, it's funny that it, we kind of dealt with that here um, a, a few weeks back when Mike Bobo's name came up as a potential offensive coordinator at Mississippi State, and I was the one that came on the show. I said, look, if Mississippi State wants to hire Mike Bobo, I'm great with that. But if I'm being honest, that is a terrible hire. And it kind of feels people <laughs> reacting the same way. Like an Auburn fan might look at that and be like, yeah, I'm really good with Alabama going the Todd Grantham route, but that's a terrible hire. Let's pick this conversation up in just a second. We've got to take a quick break. Uh, We'll pick it up. We'll talk about the offensive side of the ball as well, visiting with Ryan Brown on the Farm Bureau guest line. He is co-host of The Next Round online. You can find them at thenextroundlive.com. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you. Continuing our conversation with Ryan Brown. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Visit PearlRiverResort.com. Pearl River Resort, home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. You can book your tee time online at DancingRabbitGolf.com. Two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. That's DancingRabbitGolf.com. Ryan Brown from Next Round. The Next Round. The website, though, is NextRoundLive.com. Did I get that right? I think I put a the you on did, it. Yeah, absolutely. Go. So there we go. Next well, round right, live. I'm sure they'll find yeah, you can uh, you can just Google it and figure it out. So we were talking about the the defensive coordinator job at Alabama. Nick Saban has not filled that role, and Todd Grantham's name is the one we were kicking around just a moment ago. And you said that the the reaction from Alabama fans was none too pleasant. Uh, though most will kind of defer to Nick Saban, which I guess you have to do. But is that real? Is Nick Saban going to go down that road? I mean, I would be surprised. I think he's he's down the list. Um, you know, there's interest. The guy they hired from from Southern Miss. I think a lot of Alabama fans say, "Give him a shot before you go to Grantham." You know, at least let the young guy see what he can do. And um, I, I think I, I think it's unlikely. Personally, I think the only reason it's mentioned is he's an analyst there and has SEC experience, though. I think it's that SEC experience that probably keeps Nick Saban from hiring him. I mean, when when Chris said that on our show, it forced me to go back and look. And if you look at his, and I know I don't have to tell a lot of your listeners because they saw it at Mississippi State, if you look at his defenses at State and at Florida, I think only one year in his SEC time was he under 20 points per game. So, I mean, I think the numbers speak for themselves that that is probably not what Nick Saban is looking for there. Well, and I said earlier this week, I mean, you, you may have multiple games where they go out and have 11 sacks, but you may also have multiple games where they get beat 11 times deep. I mean, you know, if the, if the pressure yeah. doesn't get home, it's just like feast or famine, like modern-day Julie Dunn. Yeah, I mean, that's true, yeah, except he wears socks, right? I remember, <laughs> you know, I, I remember Hey Dad getting frustrated when I brought this game up, but 
I always go back to that 2017 game against Alabama where he blitzed Jalen Hurts every single play. And here I hear hey Dad moving the mic. And finally, he uh, oh, fly, man. Finally, Aren't we? I, we're friends, Ron. Sorry, Why do you hey, do this to me? I know, I know, I know, hey Dad. I'm sorry, but I mean, he kept blitzing every play, and then finally, hits right. that slant to Ridley, and and it, it changed the game. And that's that's my lasting memory of Todd Grantham. For, for what it's worth, I made the same joke about socks yesterday. <laughs> we're, we're, a good we're on the exact, we are on the exact yeah. same uh, wavelength. What about uh, the other side of the ball? Uh, offensive coordinator. Well, you know, Jeff Levy, which uh, I know your listeners are very familiar with, was mm-hmm. the uh, hot name early, and that has cooled. And you don't know if it's cool because a lot of people think Jeff Levy decided to stay at Oklahoma. Uh, some, you know, who are still holding, holding out hope for Levy are just saying Nick Saban is doing his due diligence, talking to as many people as possible. And Ryan Grubb, who is the offensive coordinator at Washington, uh, who had the nation's leading passing offense this year, top five in scoring offense, was in Tuscaloosa uh, interviewing, but then chose to stay at Washington. So he's not going to take the job. Um, there just just interrupting been... there for a second. We were talking about Ryan Grubb yesterday, and it was the opposite conversation of Todd Grantham. Like, like if you're a fan of another SEC school and Nick Saban hires Todd Grantham, you go to sleep at night, you're like, eh, okay, feel kind of good about that. Ryan Grubb comes in as the offensive coordinator. You're kind of tossing and turning going, jeez, yeah. why that guy? Yeah, no, he seemed like a stud. You're right. And, and what he did with Michael Penix this year was incredible. Yep. Uh, and that was the nation's leading passer this year. So, you know, there was a lot to like about him. He's going to stay at Washington. It seemed like a bit of a, of a long shot with him because he's a lifer with Kalen DeBoer. He's making $2 million a year at Washington. Uh, I mean, that seemed like it was going to be a hard sell anyway. Um, so then, you know, you get to your next level of names. Freddie Kitchen's name has been mentioned. Uh, Freddie obviously played at Alabama, has been a head coach in the NFL, coordinator in the NFL. Most recently was an analyst at South Carolina. Uh, his name has been mentioned. Uh, there are a lot of NFL names that have been mentioned. Brian Johnson, the quarterback's coach. He was at Mississippi State, obviously, with Dan Mullen, quarterback's coach in Philadelphia now. Um, Greg Roman's name, who just uh, got fired in the NFL from Baltimore. Uh, there has been mentions of Jason Garrett. He and Nick Saban do have a long connection. That doesn't get anybody fired up, by the way. Um, there, there are people who know that say, uh, and I cannot independently confirm this, but there's been some chatter about it on Twitter, so I'll just go ahead and say it, uh, that Kendall Bryles was in Tuscaloosa yesterday. And obviously, for those that have forgotten, he was at Arkansas, took the TCU job not, what, a month ago, if that, a couple of weeks ago. And um, was in Tuscaloosa. So I, I, I don't know that would – I mean, you think Lane Kiffin was an odd fit with Nick Saban, and it certainly worked, obviously. Uh, Kendall Bryles would seem more of an odd fit with Saban than Lane Kiffin to me. Man, what a journey for Kendall Bryles if that happened. So <laughs> yeah, had no the Mississippi joke. State job if he wanted it, ultimately said no on right. that, ends up taking the TCU gig, and, and now he's talking to Nick Saban. That's, those are uh, – you know, there's a belief that that happened, Richard. I don't know that I've seen it reported by uh, any reliable reporter, but I can tell you uh, a lot of people I know that are tied in say that he talked. There, there's some speculation that Scott Frost might have uh, paid a visit to Tuscaloosa at some point. So, hmm. you know, I think a lot of people will kick the tires on that job. I mean, you you got to look at it this way. Is Nick Saban hard to work for? Yes. Are Alabama fans demanding? Yes. Do you have to be nearly perfect to get approval? Absolutely. But look at the track record of that job. Just look at the last five guys. Um, 
they left to go be the head coach at FAU, FAU, now the coach at Ole Miss. The offensive coordinator at the Bills, now the coach of the New York Giants. Uh, the head coach of the Texas Longhorns. The head coach of the Maryland Terrapins. I mean, it's a really, it's a job that is going to get you a really good job when you leave. Yeah. When Kendall Bryles was hired at TCU, and obviously Texas is closer, I mean, Fort Worth is closer to, to Waco than Fayetteville or Tuscaloosa or anything like that, there was, there's pushback for a day or two. You had the, the online firestorm that immediately goes away because of his involvement with Baylor and, and whatever else. Yeah. Would there be any pushback at Alabama? For, for Kendall Browse? I, I don't think there would be. I mean, there was very little when DJ Durkin was hired as an analyst there. And, you know, obviously that, that kind of came to a head and he left, you know, once nationally people started pointing it out. But I don't remember very much feedback locally. And look, here's the point I've made. We've talked about this with Chris Beard, uh, the fire Texas coach. Somebody else will hire that guy. And really, you know how it works. You got to have an iron stomach, an iron constitution for about 48 hours. Because the way this country works is everybody gets pissed about something for 48 hours and then they find something else to get on 48 hours later. And it's a new story and everybody moves on. So I, I believe if you can survive the first 48, 72 hours of a hire like that, you're fine. And I don't think Bryles would be anywhere close to that. And I think part of that too is because, you know, he's taken a couple of other jobs and it's not like he, this would be the first job he took after the Baylor situation. Right, right. He's had several jobs since then. You know, the Chris Beard thing is fascinating and, and kind of topical uh, where, where we are. Uh, I mean, it oh, I appears as if it's moving in the direction that Ole Miss is going to make a change in, in basketball at the, the end of the season. And I don't get the impression that that's a route that they're willing to go, um, regardless of whether the charges are dropped or recanted or whatever. I mean... It's pretty evident that something happened, and and it wasn't great, and now they've kind of backed off on that. But but that's an interesting way of looking at it. It's like okay, it's clearly a guy that is going to win wherever he is. One at Little Rock, one at Texas yeah. Tech, was winning big at Texas. But can you handle? Are you willing to handle that firestorm for a little while? Well, and 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 you know, the one thing there is, as you said. Um, not only was there some sort of incident, it became public record what was accused of him, right? So, I mean, that's, that's, it's not, you know, hearsay of what might have happened. We don't know right. exactly what happened that night, but we know what initially was said happened that night, and it does look very bad. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. It will be, uh, it will be fascinating to see where it goes. Uh, well, anything happening on the Plains with, um, with Auburn football? Kind of quiet. Hugh Freeze did pretty well in the transfer portal. Um, he saved a recruiting class that was mired in mud when he got there. Um, you know, he, he hired a staff. It wasn't a staff that's going to blow anybody away. It seemed like a lot of guys he was really, really comfortable with. Um, so I, I think a lot of Auburn fans are waiting to see right now. They appreciate what he did in recruiting. They appreciate what he's done in the transfer portal. They're a little worried about quarterback. But uh, I think it's a very much a wait and see for Auburn right now. I was going to say, why did they strike out so many times on quarterback? I don't know. I do think, though, I will say this. I think Robbie Ashford has got a lot of tools that Hugh Freeze can work with. Uh, he's He's got to be refined as a passer. I mean, that is the biggest thing. If you're going to play quarterback, obviously, that's pretty important. But, you know, I, I do think he's got a there, – there are a lot of raw tools that are there for Robbie. He's just never been – even going back to his days at Hoover High School here in town, uh, he, he was never a very – Passer, and that has spilled over over to his time at Auburn as well. Yeah, always great catching up 
Good to visit with you, and uh, hopefully it'll warm up, and we'll see you soon. All right, boys. Y'all take care. Ryan Brown from the next round. They are based in Birmingham, nextroundlive.com. If you want to uh, listen to or watch their show, you can do that. He joined us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We will be back right after this. Mississippi on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. again to Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us on this rainy, cold Wednesday afternoon in the Magnolia State. Though, we did get a message earlier suggesting that uh, I needed to make a move to the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Said you would love the weather down here. And Borky, before I could respond, was like, I'm trying. <laughs> Borky wants to go to work in our uh, our Super Talk Gulf Coast was it WOSM? Yeah, right? if, if we could work it out to where I could live, like in Bay St. Louis, I would love that. Just a short walk to the beach every day, go fishing all the day. I mean, surf fishing is the most relaxing thing that I can do. Yeah, other people have the things that relax them, reading a book, drinking coffee, some people yard work. That relaxes me too, but man, nothing like getting down to the beach at 5 a.m. And, and watching the sunrise and just having a rod in the water on the beach. It's not the same like I got the reservoir back here and I can go catch a catfish, I guess. And and that that's just not the same. You as, say that with such derision. That's not the same as like using light tackle and catching some pompano or you know some big bull red or maybe a shark or something after having some coffee and watching the sunrise over the ocean that is relaxation my friend i mean there was a lot of really good about what you said that 5 a.m didn't do much for me though oh well i'm used to it now god but that's when you got it's either then or or at night you know midday surf fishing you still catch stuff but it's not the same if you want to actually catch fish while you're doing it you gotta be an early bird nighttime's the way to go then yeah, but he can't see anything. Great. That'd be great. A little breeze. I would do that. Off the Gulf. Man, I'd do that every weekend. I would sit on the... I, I can be such a beach bum. Like, I, I am... My mindset is what Jimmy Buffett's life was. Or is. He's still living. But that that's like where my head is. I've never lived that way, but I, I know I'd love it. He's, he's not dead yet. <laughs> Uh, Scott in Gulfport says the people are a whole lot nicer in Gulfport and Biloxi, plus it doesn't cost nearly as much to live here. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Uh, basically, an hour nice. from New Orleans. Make a Saints game whenever you want. Uh, we we got uh, the Coast uh, folks that are listening that are standing for their uh, for yeah. their different locales. Got a little you know, Coast for Ocean Springs in there as well? <laughs> oh, buddy, Ocean Springs is phenomenal also. but Great it's, town. 
Uh, maybe this isn't true, but where I stayed in Ocean Springs, you couldn't walk to the beach because because there's the 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 bay there. The beach is on like you know across the water. It's a short drive. I, I want to be able to walk to the beach. Right. Limits my options a little bit, but o- Ocean Springs phenomenal place. Love what they what they've done there. They'll figure out something. Yeah. Well, Richard, first we I, uh, need to figure out the right to, to get this board down there so I can do this there. That's what we need to figure out. What happen. were you saying, Ed? I did some research while you were on talking with Ryan Brown. Mm-hmm. Last year, the six seeds, their nets were 32, 35, 16, and 20. And the sevens were 38, 23, 29, and 40. Okay. So I feel like I'm better than 50-50 that I'm I'm, I'm going to win this, assuming state goes seven and two. So you gotta you gotta have them go seven and two first. Um, yes. SEC schools by net ranking at this point in the season, Tennessee continues to be the highest ranked net team, but uh, only by one. They are at two in the net. Alabama is at three. Goodness gracious! Did you see the final score from the Alabama game last night? Ooh. So. And I, I blame myself because I was going to say something and I just didn't. Y'all were talking yesterday about, you know, are you sure that blah, blah, blah with Alabama? They played so poorly. And I just wanted to say, like, sometimes when a good team has a couple bad games in a row, yeah, look out. They catch somebody and then they're, they're not in a good mood. And that's what happened there. Well, the coach after the Woo. game said, we caught the wrong team at the wrong time. Yeah, 101 correct. to 44 last night. Alabama beat Vanderbilt yes. by a bunch. Good mm-hmm. gracious, a 57 point win in uh, in that game last night for Alabama over Vanderbilt. They covered times almost times four. What was it? 15 and a half. So they were like yeah. three and a half times over the spread with the 57 uh, point win. Um, and I did say, in fairness, yesterday, I was like, I mean, Alabama could win by 15 or 20. I was like, heck, they could win by 30. I did not say that they could win by 57. But they did. So, doing net rankings for the SEC, right? Tennessee yeah. won, or Tennessee at two, Bama at three, Arkansas 27. Law, they got a win last night at home. Arkansas kind of trending in the right direction. What have they won yeah. four straight in the league, and their only loss recently was the uh, the loss at Baylor. And they did some good things against Baylor. Kentucky beats Ole Miss last night. They are at 33 in the net. Auburn is at 36. Missouri at 44. And can I say again how big Saturday is? Huge. Missouri at 44 in the net. Then there's Texas A&M who lost last night on the road to Arkansas at 47. And Mississippi State at fifty. J- just gotta have it. finishing it out. Florida fifty-two, Vandy one hundred seven, Georgia one thirteen, Ole Miss one twenty-one, LSU one thirty-eight, South Carolina two eighty-two, two eighty-two for South Carolina. There's only three sixty, I believe. Yeah. All right. So Missouri forty-four in the net. Mississippi State, 50 in the net. Missouri plays tonight. They are at home against LSU. That is a game that Missouri should win. They're a 10-point favorite in the ballgame. 
they should win that. LSU, 1-7 in the league, not good. They're just not. And Missouri's fun and fast and all those things. So you're likely going to have a 5-4 and four Missouri team in conference play rolling in to face a 2-7 and seven Mississippi State team who's playing with confidence, who's making more shots from the perimeter, who's got some momentum, and who should be the beneficiary of an electric home crowd. It's got the makings of being spectacular on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, quad two opportunity for state. It's quad one opportunity for Missouri. That's so a huge game on both sides, both sides for them. Um, you mentioned the crowd, 5 p.m. tip, which means if you live in Jackson or even further south, you can, you don't have to leave super early and you can be home at a relatively decent hour to get to church the next morning. Um, State and what's you know states had good crowds. I mean the TCU crowd was good even amidst that 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 stretch of losing eight of nine. So I I think you're absolutely correct that I expect a big crowd on on Saturday and I expect a good game. And you mentioned it, states playing with a lot of confidence right now. I think that even in losing the way they played against Alabama really gave them a boost. It showed them they could go toe to toe with one of the best teams in the country. Uh, last night, if I did my math right. You know, they shot 53% from the floor, period, which is fantastic. I think they were closer to 60% from inside the arc. I think they were 24 of 39 inside two-point range. I mean, that is just outstanding, and you're just getting dunks and layups. And then you have Tyler Stevenson, who, uh, in his mid-range jumper, he literally the last holdout of the mid-range jumper in college basketball. But he gave you 10 points off the bench, and that was really good. Shaq Moore, moving Shaq Moore into the starting lineup has been a good, good move for Mississippi State. I wonder if, if DJ Jeffries isn't long to go to the bench either. His struggles continue. He's beyond a slump at this point. He's, he's, there's just something wrong. He's just not playing well at all. All right. So the, the, the road to the NCAA tournament for Mississippi State at this point is seven and two. Maybe six and three with a run in the NCAA tournament, or I'm sorry, in the SEC tournament, where you go win two or three yeah, games there. Probably, maybe probably need a couple wins. Yeah. All right, so let's navigate these final nine games of their schedule. Missouri at home. Honestly, this is a game you got to win. If you're going seven and two down the stretch, you got to win this one. LSU at home. You need to split win. with Missouri. Yes, you got to beat them. Well, just don't get ahead of us. Let's, let's do it game by game. Uh-huh. At, at Arkansas. At Arkansas. You can lose. That's a night game. That's a, that's a five o'clock tip off on a Saturday at Bud Walton in February. Probably yeah, you not. can lose. Right. Can Kentucky at home on February fifteenth. It's winnable. I mean, Ole Miss gave Kentucky all they wanted last night without without Morell and Ruffin. Yeah, buddy. I mean, it, that environment. You think Saturday's going to be good? You you keep winning. You win Saturday. You play well in Fayetteville. With yeah. Kentucky, which it was a Saturday down. game, but I know, Wednesday but still. Be, still be still be a good crowd. Yeah. Oh no, it'll be packed. Ah, it'll be absolutely yeah. packed. Yeah. At Ole Miss, yet no margin for error in that game on February eighteenth. At Missouri, that that strikes you me as one that. that's going to be tough. That that's going to be a you're you playing in front of fifteen thousand on the road. That's one of the games that Ken Palm predicted them to lose. A&M at home is tricky. It's a Saturday afternoon game. It's a pretty good team. Not a great team, but it's a pretty good team. 
And then you go South Carolina and Vandy on the road to finish it out. Got to win. Yeah. I got to tell you, I'm fired. I've got several Mississippi State games on TV down the stretch. It's so cool that we're going to have a team that's going to be playing for something big in the second half of the season. Oh, cool. We'll be right back. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, Dad, I told you I had several. Only two. Hey, two fun ones, though. So, Mississippi State at Missouri on February 21st, and then Texas A&M at Mississippi State on the Ooh, So, yeah, back-to-back games. It's a Saturday, one, right? Yep, Columbia, Missouri, and then uh, start one on a Saturday. That poor guy that texted in earlier and said that he wants to literally rip the radio out of his car because of your existence, Richard, is going to be so mad when he turns on the basketball game and hears that same voice. That's just awful. I feel terrible for him. Are you actually coming to Starkville or are you remote? No, all of these are on site. Great. I'll uh, come down and get a hug. Okay. I got Ole Miss Vandy this weekend, South Carolina at Missouri Tuesday night, A&M at LSU, Auburn at Vandy, State at Missouri, A&M at State, Florida at Georgia, and Ole Miss at Missouri. Awesome. Congrats. Thanks. That's what's coming up. Um, C-SPAR text line. I see we're still hyping up MSU basketball. They're 2-7 and seven in the SEC with only beating the two worst teams in the league. Yeah, no. You watch the games, man. Yeah, that that is objectively true, but you got to watch them play too, right? Yeah. Teams can teams can get better, and their schedules can turn, and they can play more teams that are less good than the good teams that they play. I mean, four they also just added their... a win over a top fifteen team. Literally, just happened. Yeah, they did. They did. But four of their first eight SEC games. We're against top five opponents. I mean, schedule gets easier. And there's an opportunity for Mississippi State to stack up some wins. When, look, when there was nothing to talk about, we didn't. We just kind of ignored it. But there's starting to be something to talk about. Something tells me that this guy wasn't mad at us hyping up Ole Miss football when they had only beaten Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and Auburn. And they were just, seven and just call it a guess. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Uh, we have not gotten to this, and we probably should. Did David Kellum say last night that Deshaun Ruffin will not return to the lineup this year? I did not hear David specifically say that, but Ole Miss basketball released a statement that uh, Deshaun Ruffin had stepped away from the team. And I want to be careful about this because I don't want to say anything that I'm not supposed to say. But I also don't want it to sound like I'm spinning anything here, okay? There is no scenario where your best or second best player coming into the season, leaving the team 
with nine conference games remaining in the regular season is a good thing. That, that scenario does not exist. It's not a good thing. What I do feel comfortable saying is that there is not just one thing that caused Deshaun Ruffin to step away from the team. And he said in the statement that he released that he needed to step away to get better mentally and physically. I'm paraphrasing there. Deshaun Ruffin has had to deal with a lot this year. Some of it is obvious, right? I mean, trying to come back from an ACL injury, not being at the same level that he was a year ago, not having the same explosiveness, not having the success, not shooting it particularly well, all of those things. Maybe the frustrating part is that it finally looked like Deshaun Ruffin played a pretty good game in his last game that he played in. That was, what, against Missouri a week ago, eight days ago, where he poured in 18 points. And then he didn't travel with the team over the weekend to Stillwater, and he obviously wasn't with the team last night. This is not, at least as I understand it, a Deshaun Ruffin is disgruntled and therefore he's quitting. Just got a lot going on. A lot going on physically, a lot going on mentally, things happening in his personal life, things happening in his family situation, just a lot going on. And oh, by the way, it's taxing to be on a bad team when you're supposed to be the star of that team. And yes, I think we can all watch the way Kermit Davis coaches and say it's probably hard to play for Kermit Davis right now. And and I say all that without being specific, but the point in that is I think there's a lot going on there. And that's why Deshaun Ruffin stepped away. Will you ever see Deshaun Ruffin in an Ole Miss uniform again? I have no idea. I don't even know if you handed me a $100 bill and said you had to bet one way or the other. Deshaun Ruffin will play another game for Ole Miss. I don't know which way I, I might just flip a coin. So, yes, Deshaun Ruffin is out. You hate that for him because there was so much happening that was good and moving in the right direction when he had that ACL injury a year ago at LSU. And Kermit Davis said post game last night that they desperately hope to have Matt Morrell back for their game against Vanderbilt on Saturday. Five o'clock hour, college football fix. That's how we'll start it off. Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven on Super Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thank you for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon, the 1st of February. Tomorrow is Groundhog Day. We can only hope for good news from the little rodent. You know that's staged, right? Hey, with that. 
The groundhog up, and there's a shadow. Well, Guess then, what? If they decide maybe we should just no reveal shadow, the truth no about all holidays. If it's no. going to be like that, let's we'll talk about all the holidays, but, huh? But I'll just come are, by your house and talk about some holidays with James today. But they How are about public that? with that information. Like they don't hide that fact. There is no just saying it, it's a you fraud. You sit on a throne of lies. I Stop. don't. Groundhog Day is a fraud. You are an enemy of fun. You are an enemy of fun. Great movie. Borky, fraud they don't make movies about lies. That's true. I mean, I saw the blind side. Never mind. Go away. <laughs> Go away with your terrible takes about Groundhog uh, Day. Now, now I'm back on Borky's side. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to. Uh, mm. Nah. <laughs> oh, it's the college Vance football in fix New Albany. <laughs> Vance in New Albany says my kids are in the car and heard the groundhog was fake. Thanks a lot. No, the groundhog is real. The groundhog it's a is a real act, animal. I mean, Puxatawney Phil is real. No. He's not like the gopher from Caddyshack. Yes, it's no, a real animal. But they are public with this. They don't Wait, hide the this. Not real? I'm alright. <laughs> Nobody worry about me. Yeah, no, I, I did not reveal something that they, they are not, they, they don't hide that. The committee decides what the groundhog sees. It's ridiculous. They don't even let him have his own opinion. I agree with, with Bobby and Batesville. Everybody who doesn't believe yes. in the groundhog makes the predictions. You should have to wake up every day and it's the same day. I just want to hear this <laughs> Borky every morning. Put your little hand in mine. Just every day, Borky, for the rest of your life. Alarm clock. Good song. Just... Mm. That's a great song, but I would want to hear it every morning. It's cold out there today. So angry with Michael Borky right now. Why? I know, he's the worst. Sometimes you just got to play along in life. They yes. public they they are public with Sometimes this. There's nothing you to can play still along just with. Play along. You got guys in top coats and morning suits and ascots that are in in Nowheresville, Pennsylvania going to hold that Rodent in the air tomorrow and declare that. Yeah, and the guy's name is. Call him up like Simba. On the, way. the guy's name is Tom Dunkel. And not only is he the president of the committee, he's the shingle shaker. That is his official title. Didn't he used to declare national champion also? Wasn't the Dunkel the, one of the national I don't know. championships? The, the these, these titles yeah. on this committee yeah. are actually hilarious. So you have Dan McGinley. See? He's the vice president of Moonshine. Pretty sick job. You have Jeff Lundy. Job. He's the fair weather man. Jeff Groob is the sky painter. A.J. DeRoom is the rainmaker. John Johnson is the chief health man. What, is, uh, what does Jim Cantori do? I don't know, but obviously uh, not what uh, A.J. DeRoom does. You have All Butch Philbert. He's Iceman. Okay, that's copyright infringement. All I know is if yeah, the groundhog tells you it's Easter, you better go dye your eggs. 
This is Sports Talk Mississippi. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. You want to be a part of the conversation? Join us, won't you, on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from ceasefire business. You can find out more online at ceasefire.com slash business. It is time for the college football fix brought to you by the Groundhog and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. You got a Ford F-150? I want titles like that for us. You got a Ford F-150 and a Groundhog? You can haul that Groundhog around in the back of the Ford F-150. Don't drive angry. You could put a whole bunch of Groundhogs in the back of your F-150. Maybe that's part of the reason that for 46 straight years, F-Series trucks have been the number one selling trucks in America. Probably not, but maybe. Test drive one at your local Ford dealer today. I'm going to be the minister of smoked meats. Mm. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, today was and, National And if Ford day. wants to sponsor that, you know, you can, we can do that too. You can put a lot of smoked meat in the back of an F-150 as well. You could. You could. If you were so inclined. You could. Most, uh, most important thing that happened on signing day today for Mississippi State was what? I guess you got to go with the addition of Jonathan Davis. He was the top-rated player left in the state, um, and you know, and it was an in-state recruiting battle between State and Ole Miss. I think that some of the drama surrounding that may have been a bit overblown. I think that State was pretty comfortable with, with him. Uh, I, I talked to Paul Jones from Twenty Four Seven Sports. He's like Brian. I had my commitment story writ- written on Sunday. I felt he felt good the whole time. So State wanted, but State wants to get that win. Don't give me that look. Not giving you that look. State. State yeah, State wanted to get the win, you know, and so did Ole Miss. And then they they battled for the kid, and State ends up getting him. So that's what we'll go with, with the most important thing. Just because, I mean, there's only two guys, and, and he was definitely the higher-rated one. Yeah. Did NIL play a role in this? I don't think much of any. I just don't. It didn't play uh, the role. Okay. Because if, if it was the role... There's a chance that he would have gone elsewhere. Okay. I mean, look, the the, the recruiting story is a, a, as old as the groundhog. You better know who you're recruiting because you're not always recruiting just the player. You have people that are influential in the player's life and influential in the player's decision, and if you... Attach yourself to someone that is influential in the player's life. You better make sure you're attached to the right one. I have heard in the past people picking incorrectly, picked the wrong parent or the wrong, the wrong parent, the wrong coach, the wrong uncle, the wrong handler, I mean, agent. Yeah, whatever. I mean, is yeah. that is there say, anything I mean, that I said there that's not true? Nope. And, and with this kid, I mean, his family was a lot of MSU people. His his circles a lot of MSU people. He just had MSU people around him, and he was he himself is an MSU person. He talked about Mississippi State as a fan of Mississippi State. He wanted to come to Mississippi State. Ole Miss recruited him. They sold him the vision of being able to maybe get on in the on the field a little bit quicker, which makes sense because State has Crumity and and Pickering and all those guys in front of him, and, and Ole Miss, quite frankly, does not. But in the end, I think the the the, the defensive tackle lineage at Mississippi State played a, played a role. I think wanting to play, you know, when David Turner being there played a role. 
Um, and I, I just think that at the end of the day, that Mississippi State was just always in a good position with him, and they kept him. Borky, what's the most important thing that happened for Ole Miss today? Uh, they got a late commitment. So we talked about signing day earlier, and since that happened, and Lane Kiffin had his press conference this morning and everything, they actually added a guy, a defensive end. Uh, if you believe the the size, a bit of an undersized guy for the position that he plays, uh, but led the country, all of the United States, in sacks this season at Pahokee High School in Florida. Uh, 32 and a half sacks. He had over 50 sacks over the last two seasons uh, playing defensive end. Uh, they added a couple of them today, both of whom seem to be uh, Chamberlain Campbell being the other, also from Florida. He's six foot seven, 215 pounds. And when you put on his highlight tapes, you can see the six foot seven, and you can also see the two fifteen. Uh, but both of them are uh, are project guys, is uh, development guys. Not you don't expect them to come in and play right away, which is interesting because there there might be a small philosophical change happening. There, I don't know if it's Pete Golding. I don't know what it is. To say. But Lane Kiffin and his staff are going to focus more on high school guys in this class than they did this last one. I promise you, they will sign more. I, I guarantee it. And they're he- they're going to heavily focus on Mississippi. In the last couple of years, they they have shied away from taking guys that are not going to help you right away. But these two today, they did big frame that they can add weight to. And a, a guy that was under-recruited but led the country in sacks are not two players that you expect to come in and play day one, and they took him anyway, which is very interesting. Things might be shifting in terms of the way they think or whatever, but it's interesting. D.J. Holmes, 6'3", 230, weak side defensive end. That's what he played at Pahokee, which is a high school football power. At Rivals, they say his speed off the line is a difference maker, coupled with his power. He's got the wheels to work as an outside linebacker, bringing versatility to the Rebels' roster. That's from uh, Rivals national recruiting analyst Ryan Wright. We'll be right back. Communication system is a go. Go! This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon. Today is the first day of the month of February, and the uh, weather kind of uh, feels like it as well. Um, you can be a part of the conversation on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. I've been telling you that uh, this news is coming, so here it is. Country music superstar Morgan Wallen is coming to Oxford and Super Talk Mississippi is giving you an opportunity to win tickets. Just enter your name and your contact information at one of our registration boxes located throughout the state. We're going to tell you where all of those are throughout the coming days, but for example, you can register to win tickets by going to Be Quick Superjack in Brookhaven, 
Exhaust Pro in Macomb, or Seals Tire and Auto in Gulfport. Go to supertalk.fm slash Morgan Wallen to find the full list of registration locations. Winners will get two sweet tickets, uh, sweet seats, that's seats in a suite inside Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, to see Morgan Wallen on Sunday night, April 23rd. This Morgan Wallen ticket giveaway is brought to you by First South Farm Credit, King's Daughters Medical Center, Jumpstart Test Prep, and Toyota of Brookhaven. So you can uh, begin registering at uh, those locations. And, again, you can find the full list of registration locations at supertalk.fm slash Morgan Wallen. There there was a big story in the world of sports that, uh, that popped up this morning. I don't know if you guys saw this or not. I love that we're an hour and 22 minutes into the show before mentioning that Tom Brady is retired. Two hours even. I'm sorry, two hours and 22 minutes into the show. He is retiring, quote, for good, close quote, from football, ending a storied 23-year NFL career during which the star quarterback won seven Super Bowls and set numerous records, announced his decision on social media this morning saying that he wouldn't change a thing about his career. What's your reaction to Tom Brady retiring? I think we should go back to... This exact day last year, cut what we said about Tom Brady, and then just play it again. Just play it again. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're he, the guy that's got access he, to the uh, to to the archives. <laughs> you ready to cut and paste? Thought about, honestly, thought about it just for fun. Um, one year ago today, February first, twenty twenty two, Tom Brady announced he was retiring. But then 40 days later, he changed his mind, and he returned to play this season with Tampa Bay. It was an unforgettable year. Tom Brady says, I know the process was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first. I won't be long-winded. You only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So really, thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me. I'm out. Did it from the beach, Bold of Tom to think... Bold of Tom to think that everybody watched that supported him. <laughs> yeah. Bold. Um, it, it ends in era, though. Uh, he, he was the greatest of all time. All the Super Bowls, we've seen it, talked about it, all that. But now this era of quarterbacks it, is over. Both Mannings, Roethlisberger, Rivers, Breeze, and Brady are now no longer playing. All of them. And and that was the quarterback era that I kind of grew up in. When when I could really pay attention and focus on football, those were all the guys. I mean, Brady's first season was what? Was it, gosh, 99? As a starter, it was 01. But 2001? No, as a starter, it was 01. Yeah. So I was I was 9. So so I grew up in this era of, of these guys, and know, now they're right. all gone. I mean, they, they were my introduction to football, and, and, and I'll miss them. I mean, it's so many... Childhood memories, watching those six guys play and play against each other and Brady win the Super Bowls and Manning when they first started getting microphones on the line of scrimmage, hearing him check off plays and all that. That era's over, officially. And I've, this is my second era of quarterback greatness to go, you know, mm-hmm. because obviously I'm, I'm older, but I was there, you know, when Montana and Marino, Elway, um, Elway would definitely put in Jack that group. Kelly. When they, Jim Kelly, that's a good one. You know, guys like that, as they retired, I was like, ah, you know, I guess they're getting, you know, that's how it goes. 
And now this is my second one with the guys that he just listed of this great era of quarterbacks. And, and of course, we're living in a great era of quarterbacks with Mahomes and Burrow, uh, Allen, and, and those guys, and then more guys to come, I'm sure. And we'll see how that you know how they stack up, and then you know I hope I'm around for that for when they when they decide to call it a day, and, and we can do it again. And, and hey, Dad, you you mentioned like four names at the top of the profession, but we also saw mm-hmm. kind of a secondary group in in that same era. You know, when Warren mm-hmm. Moon retired, when Randall yeah. Cunningham yeah, retired, sure. yes, when Steve yes. Deberg retired. Oh, okay, maybe he's not in the same group. Bobby A. Bear. Yeah. Um. It is the end of an era. Tom Brady threw for 89,214 yards and 649 touchdowns. He was a three-time league MVP. And even this past year, and, and look, I, I think all three of us would agree that this was not vintage Tom Brady. He threw for almost 4,700 yards and 25 touchdowns this year. I mean, it's not like physically he couldn't go out and play one more year. He's the only player to win more than five Super Bowls. He is a five-time Super Bowl MVP. And he's got a golden parachute. Oh, we think he does, because FTX kind of drained at least one of his accounts. Well, the golden parachute is the 10-year, $375 million contract that he signed with Fox last summer. You retire from an incredibly lucrative profession only to slide into your second career that will pay you basically the same thing. That's um, that's good planning. You know, I think he's going to suck at it. I really do. There are a lot of people that thought that about him as a quarterback in the NFL also. Oh, true. But that's a little different. Drew Brees sucked at it. He was a good NFL quarterback as well. And I'm sure at his height and size, a lot of people doubted him too. I mean, the Dolphins doubted him. Um, I, I saw somebody spin that Drew Brees actually picked New Orleans because of Sean Payton that he he told Miami no. It was somebody that does media in New Orleans said that Brees told Miami no. It's a revisionist history, but either way, um, I don't think Brady has the broadcaster charisma. I mean, Greg Olson's been phenomenal, right? Is Brady going to knock him down a peg with no experience and also kind of that dry personality, if you want to call it that? I just Maybe I'm wrong, but... but... But the answer is yes. Yes, Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson are the lead team at Fox, and they've got $375 million invested in Tom Brady. Yes, he is going to knock Greg Olson down a peg. No question, right? Right. It's just a shame, though. Now, whether he should or not is an entirely different debate, but it's going to happen. Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson... With Aaron Andrews on the sideline, have been a really good team this year. Yeah. Really good team. I mean, I would argue the best in the league. I really like Mike Tirico, but... Yeah, I, I was going to say, Tirico and Collinsworth are pretty good. With, what, Lisa Salter's on the sideline? 
I'm curious to see how it works. For some reason, I don't think it's going to go well. I think he and Breeze are similar in that way. What do the kids say now? Is it the Riz instead of Charisma? I think that's what the kids say now. I don't think he's got the Riz. I just wonder if Tom Brady will show that differently than he did as a quarterback. That maybe it was always there, but he was so locked in as a competitor and his focus was on not giving you anything as like a competitive advantage. Yeah. Are you going to see a personality that you haven't ever seen before? I don't know. Just get him some of that avocado tequila he was drinking after the uh, Bucks won the Super Bowl when he oh, threw the trophy no. from one boat to the next. He'll be loose as a goose. Get him on whatever that was, that gluten-free avocado tequila that he was drinking that had negative five calories per sip or whatever. That Get him going. Brady holds the all-time NFL record for regular season wins. He had 251 of those Super Bowl appearances. Ten times he played in the Super Bowl with seven wins. Playoff games and wins. 48 playoff games, 35 playoff wins. He threw for 13,400 yards and 88 touchdowns in the playoffs. And, oh, by the way, those numbers don't factor into his career stats. Playoff numbers are a separate category. If you added the playoff numbers, he'd be over 100,000 yards passing. And close to 750 career touchdown passes. That's insane. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here, Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. So tomorrow is going to be a heavy baseball show. We made jokes about this yesterday, but we're going to play catch-up on our countdown of 25 teams in 25 days. We're going to hit four or five uh, college baseball teams and uh, have a big college baseball show tomorrow. And uh, we look forward to doing that with you. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for, uh, for being with us this afternoon. Conference championship games this past weekend... They were, um, the, the ratings were big. Chiefs Bengals on CBS drew an average of 53.12 million viewers. Best NFL conference championship game in the AFC or the NFC in the last four years, going back to when you had Patriots Chief and, uh, Chiefs in 2019. And the game between the Bengals and the Chiefs peaked at just shy of 60 million viewers. Did the did the Philly San Fran game do decent numbers, Orky? I mean, obviously that was a blowout. I'm assuming that was somewhere in the 40 million range. I think 39, but I'll double okay. check. Yeah. We um we, we missed this earlier in the week. I think it was Monday when this came out. But D1 baseball has announced its preseason first, second, and third. All-American teams. 
let's take a look at this because there's some there's some interesting things here. Uh, let's just look at SEC guys. First team All American, four from the SEC: Dylan Cruz from LSU as an outfielder, Wyatt Langford from Florida as an outfielder, Tommy White from LSU as a DH. Though Leah Van told us a couple of weeks ago that he's not going to be a DH; he's going to play third base every day. And then Paul Skeens from LSU as a utility player, but he's going to primarily be a pitcher. He was also named as a utility pitcher as a first-team All-American. It's like there aren't enough All-American teams to put Paul Skeens on. We'll see if he delivers. He was 10-3 and last year at Air Force with 96 strikeouts and 85 innings. You've got two Tennessee pitchers that were first-team All-Americans, Chase Burns and Chase Dolander, who combined to go 17-2 and last year and combined for 211 strikeouts. Also, Tanner Hall from Southern Miss, first-team All-American. 9-3 and three last year with a 281 ERA, 109 strikeouts in... Uh, that's not right, 146 strikeouts in 109 innings. Not only did he have a ton of strikeouts, he pitched a ton of innings last year for Southern Miss. And you have Hurston Waldrop at Florida as a first-team All-American pitcher. Do you know how we would be looking at Southern Miss this year if Hurston Waldrop had stayed put? And there were two first-team All-Americans in their rotation? Yikes. Talk about them hosting again. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Um, Jacob Gonzalez was not named the first-team All-American shortstop. That's Jacob Wilson at Grand Canyon University. Second-team All-Americans from D1 Baseball. Jacob Gonzalez is a shortstop. Enrique Bradfield in the outfield. Hunter Elliott from Ole Miss as one of the starting pitchers. Carter Holton from Vanderbilt. Will Sanders from South Carolina. Brady Tigert from Arkansas as a relief pitcher. Your third team All-Americans from D1 Baseball. Mali Ahuna, transfer at uh, Tennessee as a shortstop. Guy that's familiar to Ole Miss fans in particular, Chase Davis from Arizona. You remember he had the big Super Regional two years ago. He played well in the Regional in uh, Coral Gables last year as well. Third-team All-American as an outfielder from Arizona. Austin Boast uh, from Texas A&M listed as the DH. And then in terms of pitchers, Drew Beam from Tennessee. So Tennessee in its starting rotation has two first-team All-Americans and a third-team All-American in terms of uh, preseason. You guys know I love to play this game. I hand you a $100 bill, and you have to bet on either LSU or Tennessee this year. I'm not sure what you're betting on. I mean, you know, better overall record. One gets to Omaha, the other doesn't. One wins a national championship, the other doesn't. You know, you can quick pick the qualifier. Which of those two are you betting on? Are you betting on LSU or Tennessee? LSU. Yep. I just, I That's just feel like they're more, they're a little more complete. I feel like their ceiling's a little bit higher. I like Jay Johnson a little bit more than I like uh, 
Tony Vitello. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I would take the Tigers. I actually would go the other way. Um, and I would go the other way because of pitching. I mean, so, so you got Drew Beam, who was 8-0 and last year. And then you've got, uh, you got Dolander and Chase Burns. Burns was 8-2. and Dolander was 9-0. and All three of those guys had sub-three ERAs, sub-two-and-a-half ERAs. And that Tennessee team could really hit. They lost some guys. I know LSU is the really sexy preseason pick. I'm choosing to believe, and, and look, I mean, you know, which would I prefer? Eh, probably neither of them. But, you know, we all have had fun kind of picking at Tennessee and needling Tennessee a little bit for being the best team in the history of baseball and so good for the SEC and all of those things, only not to get out of the Super Regional. I'm choosing to believe that Tennessee learned from that experience a year ago. That Tony Vitello learned from it and maybe dialed it back a little bit. That those players kind of learned from how they approached the game a little bit a year ago and and maybe will throttle some of the extra stuff back and just be baseball players? I don't know. Maybe that's naive to think that. I wouldn't bet on that happening. At all, uh, tigers and stripes and the inability to change them and, and whatnot. I think that's okay. who Tony Vitello is. Oh, there's always going to be an edge to Tony Vitello. But if you believe that he's a good coach, I mean, we know that he is a great builder of a roster. We, we know that he can go and recruit like crazy. But if you think he's also a good coach, then you got to believe he's going to learn from it a little bit. And I'm not saying that like he changes his DNA. I just that's a team that hit over 300 with. They had 158 home runs last year. I mean, juiced bats will do that. Holy cow! Yeah, but I mean. It's still crazy. I mean, it shows you how nationally, you know, here, Louisiana, a few places in the SEC, college baseball really resonates. It shows you just how nationally it doesn't hit the radar. The bet, the number one team in the country at the time had a juiced bat scandal, proven juiced bat scandal, and it didn't, nobody cared. They were caught red handed. With juiced bats. Nobody cared. They were just allowed to continue on. Probably got the bats taken away. Maybe the league ordered the umpires to be more diligent in their inspections, but nobody cared. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Ceasefire text line. I'm an old Miss guy and love Gonzo. Talking about Jacob Gonzalez, but I don't really understand the pro hype. Really? Like, what do you not see that you think translates or doesn't translate? He was a really bad hitter last year, at the end of last year. Yeah, mechanically, he got into a place, and I don't know if it was confidence that caused mechanics to go or mechanics that caused confidence to go or whatever, 
But then he kind of found something at the end. Very important home run. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was really good in the championship series after having a tough postseason. So where were his numbers last year? So as a freshman, maybe that's not going to load for me. I don't know. I don't have him in front of me. Also in the C Spire text line, probably less than two sports talk radio shows discussing college baseball on February 1st also. That's right. Might only be this one. We literally might be it. And you know what? Maybe some, Maybe Moscona might be talking about it. That's it. And if we didn't, we would be here. Can't tell you how many times people have said, when are you guys getting to baseball? 2021, as a freshman, Gonzalez hit 355 with 12 home runs and 55 runs batted in. Last year, he hit 273, 18 home runs and 52 driven in. Strikeout numbers have stayed pretty level. 34 his first year, 32 last year. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, random note about college baseball this year. If you are a regional or super regional host, you will be the home team in every game in which you play. Yeah, I saw that. Can't believe it took that long. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, that feels like... Earn the right to host. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you earn the right to host. You're the higher seed. You should be the top seed. You know what else they should do? But that would require having a functioning brain. And clearly people that work at that organization don't have one. Uh, allow teams to use walkout songs and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's it's a simple fix. Yeah, Tell the visitors, hey, give us the list. You can have yours too. Yeah, bring your tape or whatever you use. Just bring it to us. We'll, we'll play it. Your, Why your, not? Tape. Oh, bring, really? your, your tape. Bring yeah. your tape. What year is it? Well... Bring us your Spotify playlist is what you meant to say. Yeah, but they edit it sometimes because songs have to start at a certain point. And I guess. Yeah. But simple fix. It's just crazy just to me. Pop it in the that, cassette player that I'm sure the college baseball stadium you attend has sitting right there in the press box. I mean, even when I was in high school, it was CDs, Borky. Now, the they setup was a little bit in different. the 70s? Yeah, the, the setup was a little ah. bit different. It was a microphone that was like up against the speaker of the nice. CD player, and they would press play on a specific yeah. song. Yeah. But we yeah. we had a tape player, but it was the same thing. You just held the microphone up to the tape player. We've got these incredible environments, right? There, there's a few of them in college baseball. There's a lot more that aren't, but we've got a few. And when they host, the NCAA is like, no, you can't show off your environment. You, you, you got to be as... hit the record. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh, if he's got it on 45 RPMs, it's 33. <laughs> you know what's cool yeah. about baseball at the SEC? 
So you, you said a few awesome. of those environments. That number is growing. Yeah. Right, so so we know what the environment is at Arkansas. We know what it is at Mississippi State. We know what it is at Ole Miss. We know what it is at LSU. Texas A&M's baseball environment is really, really good. Minus the bubbles. That's weird. Otherwise, very good. Yeah, but it's part of their thing. Yeah. Tennessee's baseball environment was really good down the stretch last year. And getting better. Didn't they expand their outfield little section, which was just like a, a brick wall, and they, they put like multiple risers out there for people? I think they I did. I think so. South Carolina, when they're good, has got a great baseball atmosphere. Florida's got a good ballpark. I don't know if they're ever going to have a good ba- atmosphere. Auburn turned into a pretty good atmosphere. If Alabama ever gets to the point where they're good, they are set up to have a good atmosphere because they've got the outfield stuff kind of built behind the right field wall for students, and they let people bring coolers in and the whole deal. Georgia's the one that I'll never understand. Georgia's stadium is built perfectly for them to have a big old party out in right field. And, like, at the university level, they've said no. No, we're not going to do that. Crazy. Dumb. And then coming into the league, you've got Texas. What, next year? Probably. Either next year or two years from now. So I saw somebody that covers Oklahoma say, enjoy this year's bedlam because it's the last one you're going to get. I think there are more and more people that think that after this year it's going to happen. But there's nobody willing to go on the record with that yet that I've seen. I mean, it's kind of whisper, nudge, wink, nod, but nobody is actually reporting that yet. And it may be more of a function of the Big 12 going, okay, it's it's time. Then, I mean, the SEC is content to wait it out. And and I think their stance is kind of like Texas, Oklahoma. I mean, if you guys figure it out and you want to come a year early, that's fine. But don't look to us to foot the bill for you. So if you and the Big 12 work something out, we'll, we'll make it happen. But... Otherwise, we'll see you in two years. And it'll be great when you get here. I'll be interested to see if Oklahoma ramps up their baseball environment. Bet they do. They just played for a national championship, and yet they're not a whole lot of support. But if you look at their softball program, they got really good support for softball. And I guess they won't be rivals anymore because who knows if they'll play, but their in-state rival built a beautiful ballpark. Spectacular. I mean, that was another great postseason atmosphere last year. Yep. You watch those games in Stillwater? Games in Stillwater? Was Arkansas... Was Arkansas the opponent in Stillwater last year? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Those were great games, though. Yeah, they put on a show. We fun. And so who does that leave out, right? I mean, that leaves out if Florida's atmosphere is just ho-hum. I mean, they show up for Florida State and Miami and LSU. Kentucky's got a new park. They don't put people in it. No, no, unless they're playing. They haven't been winning since they got the new park either, though. Right, right. And look, I mean, we we are kind of excluding. Vanderbilt's atmosphere for baseball is fine. They have three or 4,000 people. They fill it up. It's just a smaller park and kind of crammed in there. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon. We'll hope that the uh, weather for the rest of the month of February is better than uh, February 1st. 
Enjoy the groundhog tomorrow morning. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Good night. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.